Welcome to the Schwartz on Sports podcast, hosted by Noah Schwartz. Hey all, welcome back to Schwartz on Sports, episode number 16 here on the Belly Up Podcast Network. I am your host, Noah Schwartz. Just want to thank everyone who's been listening for helping the show grow, and to everyone who's followed me on social media, uh, thank you as well. And thanks to those at Belly Up for allowing me to continue to uh, do the show and grow it as we go on. So episode number 16 today, uh, as you all probably watched yesterday, two huge football games. We have a Super Bowl matchup. It's the Chiefs yet again against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That'll happen in two weeks from Tampa at Raymond James Stadium. So the first home Super Bowl for any team ever this year in Super Bowl 55 for Brady and Bucks. So we're going to talk about a lot today. We're going to get to both championship games, talk a little bit about the quarterbacks and what happened yesterday, as well as uh, just reflecting a little bit on Kobe Bryant as we hit the one-year anniversary of his passing tomorrow uh, on Tuesday the 26th. I'll talk a little bit about that. So let's begin with the football. Uh, there was a lot that happened yesterday, uh, but, but nothing stood out more to me than what happened with the Packers. Uh, this was not a perfect game from Aaron Rodgers. I don't think anybody would say that it was. But he was very good yesterday. He threw for over 300 yards. He threw for three touchdowns. Uh, one interception that you could argue, or definitely definitely argue, and say that it was a defensive holding call. You can argue the officiating yesterday wasn't perfect. You can argue uh, whether they should have been more lenient with the flags or not. So there's a lot to get to with that. But... I want to focus more on not about what Aaron didn't do yesterday because he wasn't perfect. They lost the game. They deserve to lose. But more about what the Packers haven't done for Aaron. And this is a a really interesting uh, factor when you consider the career that Aaron's had. He's been a quarterback for almost 15 years now, the franchise guy, a superstar, a first ballot Hall of Famer once he retires. But he's never gotten the, the type of support that I think he wants and that I believe he deserves. So if you look at the Packers' history, they're not the most aggressive franchise out there. They never have been. They don't, they don't really get involved in the free agency market. They don't make splashy trades. They're the type of old-school franchise that wants to draft their own players, develop them, make some small acquisitions each year just to fill some holes, but they're not going to be major players in the free agency market, and they're not going to make big trades. They're just going to lay low, hang back, and see how it all plays out. They won Super Bowls that way, so it's just their philosophy, just their mentality. But it doesn't work. In 2020 and 2021, going forward, it's not going to work. And there's a reason, it's the reason, why Aaron Rodgers only has one Super Bowl in his career, and he's only advanced to one Super Bowl in his career. Let's think about the Packers and with what, what they've given Rodgers over the course of his 15 years. Let's first look at the roster. Well, he's always had a good roster. They've had good players, some stars, but it's never been good enough. How about this? Aaron Rodgers has never had a star running back up until last year when Aaron Jones established himself. He had James Starks for a while. He was pretty decent. He had Eddie Lacy. Eddie Lacy was pretty good for 
a couple of years, but mostly it's been an ineffective, low-volume running game for most of Aaron's career. The defense. He's had some years where the defense has been terrible. Years where the defense has let him down week after week. Not every year, but most years. And in the other years, the defense is reliable, but not good enough to win you a game, just not bad enough to lose it for you. That's what the defense was this year. They could force some turnovers, they could stop some teams, but they weren't a force. Aaron's never had that with his defense in all of his tenure. How about the weapons? Well, he had Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is amazing. He's had Jordy Nelson. He's had Randall Cobb. He had Jimmy Graham for a time. But mostly, it's been pretty weak. Mostly, they haven't been able to run the ball. Mostly, Aaron's needed an additional weapon that they've never given him. And that's just how it's been with the Packers. They've never been willing to go fully in to take that extra leap and to give Rodgers the type of team he needs to win a Super Bowl. They've never done it. How about this year? They had a hole at wide receiver. They had a huge hole at wide receiver, actually. And in the most wide receiver heavy draft in league history, about 40 receivers were taken last year. They didn't draft one. So we went into the season. They had Devontae Adams, superstar, two emerging decent players, role players, Marquez Valdez-Scaling and Aaron Lazard. And then they had guys like Equinamia St. Brown. Well, they could have made an acquisition, possibly in the draft, possibly at the trade deadline, something like that, to get an additional wide receiver to help Aaron and to help Devontae. But no, guys like Equinamia St. Brown played yesterday, and he dropped an easy pass in the end zone that would have led to a two-point conversion, maybe would have helped change the outcome of yesterday's game. But they didn't want to make the upgrade and help Aaron get a better player. So that's, that's the roster. He's never had a great roster. He's always had good rosters, good enough to compete, good enough to make the playoffs, usually not good enough to be a true Super Bowl threat and one of the favorites. How about the coaching? Well, he spent the last 15 years mostly under Mike McCarthy, who I believe is one of the worst three coaches in the game today. He's now in Dallas. He's abysmal. He was in Green Bay for a long time, mostly average, if not below average. He's really not very competent whatsoever. And in the last two years, he spent with Matt LaFleur. And although LaFleur had two 13-3 seasons so far, uh, he didn't really have a great tenure as a Tennessee coordinator. A lot of people questioned whether he was even worthy of getting the Green Bay job when he got it a couple years ago. And based on the terrible decision he made yesterday to kick that field goal rather than allow Aaron to try the fourth down play late in the game, I think a lot of those people that questioned whether he deserved to be hired turned out to be right. Not saying LaFleur is a scrub, not saying he's a bum, but not saying he's a superstar coach. He's okay. How about the front office? Well, unfortunately, general manager Ted Thompson, who was there for a very long time, passed away last week at a relatively young age. He was in his 60s. Uh, and he did a pretty good job for quite a number of years with the Packers. But despite that, he never made the splashy addition. He never spent it for agency the way that other teams do. And like I said, he just wanted to develop his players, draft well, and hopefully build a, a good team out of that. Didn't really happen. How about the way that the team is drafted? Well, they hired a new GM a couple years ago in, in Gunkunst, and in last year's draft, I said they didn't draft one receiver. And what do they do instead? Well, they draft a future quarterback, Aaron's eventual replacement, in Jordan Love. That doesn't help you whatsoever. 
And then they took A.J. Dillon, a running back, in the second round, who doesn't really help either. He's the third-string guy. He barely played at all this year. So that's the draft they that's the draft they just recently had, and most of the drafts prior to that weren't that much better. So this team doesn't have a great roster, never had one. They've never had a great coach. They've never had top-notch executives, aggressive executives. They've never drafted all that particularly well. And Aaron Rodgers has kept this franchise afloat for many, many years. There's a reason why Aaron has been to the playoffs a million times. The reason is because Aaron is great. Not because of the Packers. The Packers, if anything, have, el- have held Aaron back all these years. And it's unfortunate because the NFL, and this is a little bit different than some of the other leagues, it's so dependent on where you go, where you land as a quarterback. Your success, it's really important to land with a functional, aggressive, competent organization. That's why you see so many quarterbacks end up failing even though they don't get a real fair shake at it. Sam Darnold with the Jets is a good example. Went to a bad team, bad ownership, horrible coaching. He doesn't look like a starting quarterback in the NFL three years in. But how about other quarterbacks? Guys like Patrick Mahomes. They land with the Chiefs. Great coach, great weapons, good defense, awesome ownership, awesome front office. And they have Andy Reid. And here he is in his second Super Bowl in a couple weeks. So it really does matter where you land in the NFL. Not like that in other sports. You can kind of get out of situations if you sort of take action and be aggressive with it. But Aaron's been with the Packers for his whole career. All he knows is Green Bay, Wisconsin. And so if he was with a different place, maybe if he was with Bill Belichick, maybe if he he was with Andy Reid or Sean Payton, maybe he'd be in more Super Bowls. Maybe he would have more rings. And maybe we would think of him as something other than a quarterback despite being immensely talented, maybe the most talented quarterback of my lifetime. Maybe we think of him as something more than a guy who's now one and four in conference title games. So it just, it's just really unfortunate that Aaron's in this predicament. If he was properly supported through the last 15 years, and if this organization was willing to take the plunge and truly go for it under Aaron Rodgers, give him all the help he needed, be it in the front office, coaching staff, roster, maybe we wouldn't be in the situation. But here they are again, second straight year losing in the conference title game because they got outplayed by a team that looked better than they did when it really mattered. And I'm not saying that Aaron was perfect yesterday. Again, he wasn't perfect. He was not good in the red zone. The interception, you could argue, was a flag, but still, you can't make a bad decision like that in a big spot. So Aaron wasn't perfect, but Aaron's been mostly perfect for the last 15 years. And the Packer organization has never been good enough around him. And it's held him back. So now it's up to Aaron to decide his future. Does he want to stay? Does he want to go? Is he going to request a trade? Is he going to possibly even threaten retirement and get himself out of the situation? He's under contract for another three years. So it's not like it's the easiest method for him to get out of Green Bay. But he's going to have to weigh that. He talked about it yesterday in his postgame presser. He basically said... My future is uncertain. A lot of guys here, their future is uncertain. And we don't really know what's going to happen for us as a team going forward. And so now Aaron has to weigh it. Does he, want to, does he want to leave? Does he want to stay? Does he want to wait it out? He knows his replacement is on the bench waiting for him to leave in Jordan Love. He knows that. He's well aware. So it's just a matter of does he want to take the Brady route and possibly finish his career with a better team, 
with better players and a better coach? Or does he want to stick it out in Green Bay and remain loyal? We'll see what he wants to do, but he seemed like a beaten man yesterday in his post-game, con- post-game press conference. And I get the feeling that he wants out. Because I think he knows, and he looks around the rest of the league, Kansas City has supported Mahomes brilliantly since he was drafted. How about Brady? Supported brilliantly with Belichick and weapons and defenses and strong running games from the moment he was drafted out of Michigan. The Saints, Drew Brees, they had a bad defense for a couple years. Well, they rebuilt it. They drafted Michael Thomas and Kamara. And for the last three or four years, they've been loaded. Other teams make the plunge. Other teams take that leap of faith that they can win a Super Bowl. The Packers just sort of remain complacent. They're the most complacent franchise in the NFL. They stick to their guns. They're unwilling to change. And it has has cost Aaron Rodgers probably a chance at multiple Super Bowls. So now he has to weigh his future and see what he wants to do. But really a a sad ending yesterday for the Packers. I was rooting heavy for them. I thought they had a good shot to win. And there's a number of reasons for why they didn't win, mainly the red zone, mainly the LaFleur coaching decision. But it just didn't go well. And now this is a team that, to me, is at a crossroads. They're going to have to make a lot of tough decisions on their players going forward. And Aaron has to decide what he wants to do as he sort of winds down his career heading into his age 38 season. All right, let's look at the winning team from yesterday rather than the losing team and just talk about Brady for a minute. Now, Brady, in his first year with the Buccaneers, did something that I am shocked he did. Took his team to the playoffs and then the Super Bowl. I thought they were an 8-8 team going into the year. You can look at my old tweets and whatnot. I thought they were an 8-8 team. I thought they were not a playoff team. I didn't think they had a defense that was worthy. I didn't think they had a running game that was up to standard, and I was unsure about their coaching. But Brady comes in there at 43 and is motivated and determined to turn that whole culture, that losing culture that was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for 20 years almost, he turned it right around. And it's an amazing achievement. Now, he wasn't great yesterday. He was perfect, near perfect in the first half and then awful in the second half with the three interceptions. But yesterday's game was more about than what Brady did on the field. This is about what he did as a leader and as a captain of this team to completely reverse their fortunes and their their long history of being a losing franchise. He got this team to believe, and and I think a lot of the Buccaneer players have talked about that. I know uh, Devin White, the linebacker, did. When Tom Brady walks into a room, they believe. And that, that starts with ownership, down to the GM, down to Bruce Arians, to the roster, to the guys on offense and defense, it doesn't matter. He has made everybody believe. And he has brought over, not the Patriot way, but the Brady way. And he brought that over, and at first it didn't go well. They lost their first game to New Orleans in week one. They had lost some big primetime games through the course of the first few months of the year. They lost to the Rams pretty badly. They lost to the Chicago Bears on a Thursday night. They did not play particularly well for a stretch there in the middle of the year. But after their bye, After they lost to Kansas City, the team they're about to play in the Super Bowl, they had their bye, and they came back, and they haven't lost since. Seven straight wins. So it just goes to show you that over the course of the year, Brady drilled into these guys, do the extra work, watch the extra film, pay close attention, and we'll become a disciplined winning team by the end of this. It's a long journey over the course of a football season. But Tom Brady handled himself and led his team to victory after victory after victory 
when it really mattered. And that is why he's the current GOAT. Now, you could talk about maybe who the future GOAT is. I'll get to him in a minute. But for now, he's the current GOAT. And the fact that he's about to play in his 10th Super Bowl at age 43, you have to respect it. I'm a Jet fan, so it's hard to like Tom. But 10 Super Bowl speaks for itself. To come into a new franchise, first season, no preseason, no OTAs, very little training camp. And to get this team to where they are now, it's very impressive. They were a 7-9 team with Jameis Winston. Bringing a new quarterback, change the culture. Here they are 11-5 in the regular season. Three playoff wins all on the road, including winning at Drew Brees and at Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau Field. Now they're in the Super Bowl. It's an amazing achievement, and it just speaks to Tom's greatness and his determination to be the best. So congratulations, Tom. Congratulations, Tampa fans. Uh, They deserve it, and they were the better team yesterday. I thought the refs weren't perfect, and I didn't think that it ended all that well for Aaron Rodgers, but the way that Tom Brady was able to lead his team to a a, a big uh, early lead, and then at the end of the game when it really mattered, after the three interceptions, keep them calm and and composed, getting those couple first downs there at the end, it was really impressive stuff. So uh, really good, really good from Brady. Uh, All right, we'll be right back. Going to take a quick break, and then we will get into the Chiefs and how they are in the Super Bowl now, as well as talk a little bit about the greatness of Kobe Bean Bryant. We'll be right back. Belly Up Sports has recently partnered with Manscaped because proper grooming requires precision-engineered tools. Not only do men's sensitive areas require it, but hygiene demands it. Get all the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Head over right now to bellyupsports.com and at the top of the page, click the Manscaped image and shop. Make sure you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY to save 20% off your order. That's the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY to save 20% off your order. Welcome back. Episode number 16 here on Schwartz on Sports presented by the Belly Up Podcast Network. Let's talk a little bit about the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the two-time defending AFC champions. Won the AFC a year ago. Won the Super Bowl. Beat San Francisco. And now they're back. Second straight year in the big game. This time facing Tom Brady. Congratulations to Patrick Mahomes. Congratulations to Andy Reid. And all the Chiefs and their fans for this amazing accomplishment. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what makes them so special. Let's be honest about it. Their offense is a joke. It's so good, it's almost funny. They went yesterday on a 34-6 run after they were down 9-0. They come out of the gates a little slow. We've actually seen that a lot from the Chiefs over the last two years, especially in playoff games. Slow start, and then all of a sudden, they turn the Jets on, and there is nobody, and I mean nobody in the NFL, that can stop them. McCall Hardman fumbles the football right near the goal line on a punt, and the Bills come down and score a touchdown. And they get the early lead, and then they come right down the field, Kansas City does. Mahomes over to Hardman, and he gets a little revenge there. Scores a touchdown, quick seven points, another seven points, another seven points, another seven points, and here they are, 34-6, to and that's how they win the game. It's amazing. They scored 38 points last night, won 38-24, two-touchdown win. It's just amazing how good they are. I mean, I'm almost at a loss for words trying to describe it. 
I want to say, though, that I think it's the perfect combination of talent, toughness, and brilliance. Now, on offense, the talent they have is it's just, it's just too good. They've got the best quarterback, arguably the best wide receiver, one of the greatest tight ends in the history of the league, and then they've got a number of different running backs that they can go to. Darrell Williams was very good yesterday. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, first-round pick. They'll have Le'Veon Bell back, probably for the Super Bowl. They'll probably get Sammy Watkins back for the Super Bowl. I mean, how good they are. It, it, it's just amazing. And then on top of that, they've got the best play caller of my lifetime in Andy Reid. The things this guy is able to draw up week after week and the designs of these plays, unbelievable. They look different than every other team in the league on offense. You watch all 31 other NFL teams, and they all sort of play similarly. Not exactly the same. Some offenses look more efficient to execute better. Some look worse. The Chiefs don't even look like anybody else. The motion, the pre-snap motion, the way they utilize their wide receivers, the way that they don't even care about running the ball sometimes, and they just put the ball in Mahomes' hands and say, here you go, kid. Win us this game. It's amazing. It's truly a special thing to watch. And I believe, honestly, that it's the number one offense in the history of the NFL. I don't think there's ever been a team with an offense top to bottom as good as this one, supplemented by amazing coaching and a great coordinator also. I mean, you can talk about Andy all you want, but Eric Bieniemy is fantastic. And the fact that he hasn't got a coaching job yet is just a shame and it's pathetic and it just shows you uh, the type of divide that we have in our society between white and black, but they're amazing. They are the best offense in my life. I can't say enough about Mahomes. I can't say enough about Tyreek and, and Travis Kelsey. And we'll see how the loss of excellent tackle Eric Fisher hurts them in the Super Bowl. They're not going to have him. He's out with an Achilles injury. So they may not have both of their starting tackles in Fisher and then also Mitchell Schwartz once they play Tampa. But just the fact that they can score this easily and it just looks so effortless. Can't say enough about them. They have a chance to go on a run that is truly unlike many things we've seen in the history of the league before. Because they are the early betting favorite to win the Super Bowl. They were 14-2 and in the regular season. They deserve to be the favorite. And going into next season, there's very little reason to think they won't be the favorite again. They could potentially try and three-peat. And then if they continue to keep Andy Reid around, I know he's getting up there in age, but if they keep him around, Mahomes is still there. They obviously have great weapons. And they just make sure they have enough pieces on defense to survive. I mean, I know I may be getting ahead of myself, but could they win four, five, six, seven Super Bowls and become the next Patriot dynasty, but yet way more fun and way more entertaining and way more thrilling? Possibly. So again, it's too early to tell. They've only won one championship with a chance to go for number two this year. But I'm really just so impressed with the Chiefs. They're impossible to root against. You watch them, it doesn't look like anybody else in the league. They're completely different offensively. And the defense has enough playmakers to actually be pretty good. I know people kind of hate on the defense, but Steve Spagnuolo's done a really nice job, and they do have a couple of uh, big stars up there. Matthew in the back end of the secondary, and then you got Chris Jones up front. Frank Clark's a very good pass rusher, and they've got playmakers everywhere. Daniel Sorensen I've always been a big fan of. Capasigno, uh, there's, there's a lot. So they've got plenty on defense to, to be at least decent, if not really good. Uh, Rashad Breland as well, who I really like at corner. 
and then obviously off on, on offense, they're just going to be so hard to stop. But it's it's hard to beat this team, and we saw it on full display yesterday with the Bills. Buffalo thirteen and three during the regular season, the hottest team in the league coming in, and it wasn't even competitive. Outside of the first quarter when they got to an early nine nothing lead, this game was not competitive. So that's how good the Chiefs are. I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. I'll definitely talk more about the specific uh, matchups and what the game's going to bring us as we get closer. I'll definitely do that either this week or next week. But what the Chiefs can do, man, it's it's scary. And they're going to be quite a threat for the next 10 years, if not longer. As long as Patrick Mahomes is there, they're going to be one of the top teams in the league. So, again, congratulations to the Chiefs and their fans. Totally deserving, and uh, I hope they win the Super Bowl. I'm definitely going to be rooting for them uh, for the second straight year. All right, let's move on to basketball. Uh, Today is the 25th of January. Tomorrow is the 26th, which means that one year ago tomorrow was one of the more difficult days of my life recently. I can tell you that this past year with COVID and everything that's gone on has been hard, but I don't really remember any specific moments of COVID the way I do last January 26th because that day will live in my brain and I will remember it for as long as I'm alive. I'll never forget how I found out that Kobe Bryant passed away. I was on my phone, just kind of scrolling through social media, and all of a sudden I saw a picture that said, RIP Kobe is the caption. And I was like, huh, that's weird. I don't know what what that's about. So then I kept scrolling, didn't see anything of it for a few minutes. And then all of a sudden I started to see tweets and Instagram photos. And they all said, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. And I was like, what? Kobe Bryant died? So then I turn on the TV. I try to find something on the news that relates to this. And after a few minutes, started to break everywhere on all the major networks, on all the uh, social media platforms. You started to see it more and more and more. And then throughout the day, last January 26th, we started to, we started to find out more and more of the details of the helicopter crash and everything that had happened. And I remember crying. I remember being distraught, really upset, because Kobe Bryant, as a huge NBA fan like I am, he's one of the icons, one of the greatest to ever do it. And as a 19-year-old kid, I wasn't really alive for that much to see Kobe at his true greatest. Now, I was a toddler when he was winning championships with Shaq, and I was maybe in fourth or fifth grade when he was winning championships with Pau. But when I became a basketball fan and really start to remember what had happened, I was in maybe sixth, seventh, eighth grade, and that was kind of past Kobe's prime year. So I only really remember the end of Kobe, but of course I know the story. I've seen all the YouTube videos. I know all the highlight plays. So I know the whole backstory and what actually happened with Kobe over the course of his long Lakers career. I just don't really know it firsthand the way that other fans do. So it's a little unfortunate that it's the case, but there's nothing I can do. It's just a result of how old I am. But to see him pass away and to see his his daughter Gianna pass away too, it was, it was, it was really difficult. So all I know a year later is that I'll never forget that day. I'll never forget the memories that I do have of Kobe Bryant, the most significant being the unbelievable 60-point finale. That's a, a day in NBA history I'll never forget. Golden State 2016 Warriors won their 73rd game and all-time record. 
on that same night at the same exact time on a different channel. One was on ESPN, one, one was on ESPN2. And I remember, keep, uh, to, I remember I kept flipping back and forth between the two games, wanting to see the end of Kobe and uh, see the record of wins get broken by the Warriors. So I'll never forget that night. I'll never forget the crazy shots he hit at the end of that game to beat the Utah Jazz in a late comeback. Kobe, 60 points. Unbelievable. The greatest close to a career in sports history, in my opinion. Um, so, again, I'll just remember Kobe for being this relentless, impossible-to-guard shooting guard. I mean, there was no stopping him. He was so good offensively. With that mid-range pull-up, the fadeaway, the turnaround, his ability to dominate in the mid-post area, and then his competitiveness, the way he played defense, and, of course, the public feud that he had with Shaq. I mean, that will be remembered in league history forever. And then the way he reunited with another star, got Pau Gasol there, and they won two titles again with Phil Jackson. The Kobe story is really one that will never be forgotten in, in NBA history. And it just it's so sad to see somebody that amazing pass away at such a young age. He had such a long life to live with his four daughters and his wife and everything else. And so I'll never forget that day. I'll never forget the memories that I do have of him. And I'm just happy that the league has continued to honor him now we have the All-Star Game MVP named after Kobe. Uh, now we have the Lakers saying 1-2-3 Mamba every time they, they line up in a huddle. So his memory and his influence is not going away. He's just getting started. Just unfortunately, he's not here to see it. So thanks to Kobe for an amazing 20 years. And I speak for all basketball fans out there. We will severely miss you as the years go by. But one year since Kobe passed away, Truly shocking, truly sad. I'll never forget what happened on the day he passed away. Take a quick commercial break, and then we'll be right back to finish up with Noah's number one performer of the week. This episode of Schwartz on Sports is brought to you by Invader Coffee. Invader Coffee is an ultra-premium, veteran-owned coffee company, proudly delivering only the best coffee your hard-earned money can buy. They aim to serve only the highest quality organic air-roasted coffee beans sourced from free trade farms all over the world. They keep things simple, the best coffee at an affordable price in order to provide you with the value you deserve for your morning boost. 100% fair trade, 100% organic coffee beans, 100% air-roasted, 100% money-back guarantee. Visit InvaderCoffee.com and enter promo code BELLYUP at checkout to receive 15% off your order. Welcome back to Schwartz on Sports. Just to wrap up today with our final segment, Noah's number one performer of the week for episode number 16 here on the show. Uh, my number one performer of the week, I'm going to stick with basketball for today, but it's not a player, it's not a coach. In fact, I'm going to talk about an official, or actually two officials. Tonight will be the first time in NBA history that two women will actually get to officiate an NBA game at once. Now, there's been plenty of women that have broken into the NBA officiating fraternity in recent years. Uh, so there's a, there's a bunch of them spread out uh, throughout the league. But we've never had two women officiate one game at the same time. Tonight, we will have that in the Hornets Magic game. The two women are named Jenna Schroeder and Natalie Sago. So they're going to officiate the game tonight alongside Sean Wright as the crew chief. Uh, but they will be 
making history uh, in the NBA tonight, which is really cool. We've seen a lot of women, as I've said, that have gotten into officiating, and they've become refs, but never together, so they will work tonight. Uh, and it's actually just part of the trend right now where women are really starting to uh, make an impact in the officiating world because Sarah Thomas is going to be the first woman to ever officiate a Super Bowl. She works with the NFL, and she is going to be calling the game between the Bucks and Chiefs in a couple weeks. We found that out a couple days ago. So very cool stuff. Women are really breaking barriers in this industry, and it's great. Um, we've seen what's happened in sports recently, just last week with the Mets and the whole Jared Porter situation, but hopefully we're starting to move past those sorts of things, those sorts of incidents, and when you have two women officiating the same game and another one uh, in the Super Bowl, that only continues to make progress, and hopefully, you know, hopefully soon we'll be in a place where there's a lot more equality between men and women in the workforce. So that is my number one performer of the week, Natalie Sago, Jenna Schroeder. Hopefully it goes well tonight for them calling the game. I'm sure it will between the Magic and the Hornets. All right, everyone, thanks for listening to episode number 16. Definitely more content coming your way rather soon. We'll definitely be talking all about the Super Bowl, uh, maybe some MLB offseason news as that starts to continue to pick up. Uh, we definitely know that Trevor Bauer is going to be signing somewhere soon, JT Real Muto, um, Marcelo Zuna, there are others, so we'll see how that all goes. More NBA action. March Madness is coming up soon, so there's a lot coming in the sports world. Hockey is underway. There's a lot going on in the sports world, and I'll definitely try and cover as much of it as I can on the show. So thanks for listening. Continue to follow me. Continue to follow me on social media, and I'll see you all next time.